Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, last week we had school board elections all over the state, and this week we had school board members from all over the state in Boise for the Idaho School Boards Association's annual convention. I had a chance to spend some time at the convention, and I spent some time Thursday talking to three trustees from across the state. I thought it was a good chance to catch up on what's happening in school board policy and school board politics, uh, talk to them about the elections, and talk to them about the upcoming legislative session. You're going to hear from Nancy Gregory. She's a trustee in Boise. The second voice you'll hear is that of Jason Knopp. He is a school trustee from Melba. And last but not least is Star Olson, a school board member from Dietrich. Here's our conversation. Well, Nancy, Jason, Star, thank you for taking some time to talk to us this week. I thought it was a good chance with uh, trustees from all over the state uh, in town this week. It would be a good chance to kind of catch up on uh, school board politics and school board policy uh, in November 23. So I wanted to start by asking all three of you uh, about the elections, which were a big deal in some school districts, pretty quiet in other districts. What's your overall perception of how those elections went and what they say about school board politics, education politics? Nancy. Um, This is, what, the second year we've had elections in November? And um, it's kind of challenging for schools because um, in the past we had elections in May and then they were in the trenches by fall. Now they're elected in November, they don't come in until January. And that's right in the middle of the school year. It's right before the first budget setting process, uh, evaluations of superintendents, um, a, a very busy time for schools. So. We welcome aboard all those who are now newly elected, which we've seen many of them here at our convention. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some turnovers in some districts and some uh, endorsements of the incumbents by returning incumbents in uh, different districts, which is good for our schools as it creates a steadiness and uh, opportunity for cohesion to continue among those boards. Um, it'll take some training and uh, onboarding for those who are new. say for the most part I don't think there was any big I mean I know a couple districts um, have you know a bunch of you know several new members so, you know between two or three new members for the most part incumbents one across the state which I think really shows that most of our communities are really happy with what their districts are doing um, they're solidly behind the trustees and the superintendents and, um, and the staff and, and the direction the districts are headed our district we had three elections all unopposed so I mean it shows that like our community really supports what we're doing and I think we saw that across most of the state with a few exceptions. Right. I think some of the, the most heated elections were really kind of the exceptions. They were kind of the outliers. I will, I will say that in those areas where the elections were contested and incumbents did, were not returned, um, their public needs to be engaged and um, talking to their school board members so that they keep moving forward the positive expectations that they have of their school district so that they don't necessarily get um, sidetracked into special interests because really it's all about the kids. What do patrons most need to know about the job that you all do, the job of the trustee? What gets kind of lost in the, the shuffle, in the dialogue? Some of the things that patrons need to know is that we make the best decisions off the information that we're given. So uh, 
just that two-way communication. We can we can only make the decisions that we have the knowledge for. So we can go out and do our research, but that community interaction with us to know what their wants, what their feelings are, um, that's a two-way street. And we can reach out as much as we want, but unless they're showing up and, and helping out, we can't. We don't get their feedback. So the other thing, you know, for for patients to know is. We all have a strategic plan, and most boards put a lot of effort into that and keep it updated. And that's really what drives the board in that governance process. Um, kind of gives a marching orders to our superintendent, like what we're expecting, what we want, so that we can evaluate what those outcomes are as we move throughout the year as a board. And then, like our job is to govern. We don't manage. Um, we're not in the day to day. You know, we go to our meetings. We we're the oversight um, for the district. And, represent the people that elected us to make sure that we're, we're driving success for our students and our community um, to the best of our ability for that community. And, and really our responsibility is that policy setting piece that um, creates the structure that our superintendents and staff use to run schools. And when it rises up to our level, it needs to be at a policy level. And uh, It's really a different role. It's a policy it making, it's an implementation role. Mm -hmm. Yes. Less than it is an ideological. Uh, right. But it is really important that we all work together. You know, we saw a professional development class this morning that showed a, a row, some, a crew row, rowing, a rowing crew. And it's, it works when you're all working together. And when someone's not in, the, in sync with everybody else, you have trouble on the ship. So that is an effort that all school boards make, is to unify the board with your strategic plan and create a focus for your district. What do you think is the first thing a new trustee needs to get their arms around? The governance, what is governance, really understanding that, how that, that's, that's our role trustee and understanding it, I think um, you see a lot of people, they run for a trustee election because they generally have a single issue that they're very passionate about, um, and that if, if you don't understand governance and if you come in as a single issue candidate, um, you're not going to be an effective leader for your district. Absolutely. It takes teamwork, you know, as, as boards get better trained, they're, they're more effective. Uh, locally, we we feel that we're fairly well trained. We set some goals last year, you know, Idaho had, a, had a article not too long ago about literature and our school was in the top five or top two categories in, in reading and literature and that's what our goals were and that those goals from the board worked all the way down and made an impact on students. So new person coming in needs to kind of look at the whole picture of what's going on to see, you know, they can't just have that special interest because that might not be what the goals of the district are. Some of the, of the professional development that we've offered here at the convention are roles and responsibilities of board members, interactions and building teamwork with your superintendent, open meeting laws, what to, questions to ask when you're looking at a budget. Those are kinds of things that hit you in the face, and I know that our new trustee has been going to those classes, coming back out and saying, okay, what does this mean in our district? Because there is a disconnect between the, the governance and the issues that maybe get a an aspiring trustee elected or mm -hmm. that they talk about as a candidate. 
Absolutely, and a lot of times you find that some of those things that might be hot topics out in the community aren't necessarily even a problem once you dive in. You, you know, a lot of trustees get elected thinking, oh, I'm going to fix this problem, to find out that it's not a problem and it's not an issue and that things are going better than they thought from the outside looking in. Yeah, I think the other thing that folks need to remember too is as a board, um, we, we pass policy based on law, IDAPA, the rules that are adopted, um, based on law and on the Constitution, and we can't pass policy based on ideology. And that seems to be sometimes the hang-up, is uh, people in the community be like, ah, that, you know, we don't want this. And it's like, well, by law, we have to have a policy for this. And, and so um, people understanding that, you know, sometimes we're doing we're doing what we we're doing the work we need to do, especially in the policy world, um, because we have to follow state. I think one of the things that's new for school board members is coming to grips with the complexity of the job. Because although we say we're governance, we're at this level, we still have to deal with budgeting, with strategic planning, with facilities, with safety, with, you know, we just did something about mental health. Um, you're, the schedule, we set the calendar, all those kinds of things, and it's like they just keep coming around. Oh, we have to do this. Oh, we have to know about this. So it's a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. So Boise, Melba, Dietrich, very different districts, but I'm wondering, what are the issues that you're wrestling with as a board most? Uh, what are the, the toughest issues you're facing right now? And I suspect there's some overlap, but maybe not. Probably all of us across the board, teacher pay is huge. Um, you know, I live in a district in a community where we don't have a supplemental levy, so we pay off the career ladder. And um, recruiting and maintaining teachers um, for, for a long term is it can be very difficult. Um, and it's, I mean, when you know, living in Melba, they can drive 45 minutes to Oregon and make a lot more money. Um, get over to the Dietrich area, they don't have to go very far. Um, everywhere around us, teachers are making more. Everybody in the school system is making more. So that teacher pay and then parapros is another big one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we can offer twelve or fourteen dollars an hour, but you go to McDonald's and make seventeen bucks an hour to flip hamburgers. The whole um, challenge of keeping classified employees. Yeah, yeah all certified and classified. But yeah, um, being competitive with wages is, is probably one of the biggest struggles I think that all school districts are facing. Sorry, Dietrich's a rural district, but it's not that remote. I mean, you're... no, it's not that remote. But we still, I mean. It's the same thing. How do you attract highly qualified teachers to teach those students? We are still remote. Housing is always an issue. Um, and, and like you said, when they can go, you know, Paris, when they can go to McDonald's and make more money with no responsibility compared to helping manage a classroom where it's the highest responsibility, it's, it's a competitive world that we are not competitive in. You know, I, I've said it before, you know, my father was a, was a teacher. I love education. That's why I'm serving on the boards I'm in. But how do I tell my children that they should become education or, or teachers in the education world and live at the poverty level? Because that's what we, that's the reality of it is it's an unlivable wage for the most part. Boise. Um, I would say that we have struggled with employment this year as well. Uh, bus drivers, paraprofessionals, and filling uh, teacher positions. Uh, we, I think we're grateful to the legislature for the actions that they did on uh, 
the super classified because we have employees that are in our tech positions, in our uh, professional development positions, in our accounting positions who were, um, we had to supplement to keep them. And now the legislature saw fit to bump that up so that, that we are at least getting more support from that in that regard. Other than that, many times it's a decision about are we going to do this, this special project or are we going to give our teachers a raise? And we have to balance that because we need our teachers to do anything because our teachers are the core of delivering in the business that we're in. How's teacher retention right now in Boise? Because in the past years, you know, it's okay. You know, Boise has been able to get teachers often from other districts, right. from like places like Melba. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. And um, but we have had some teachers leave the profession, and it's I'm, I'm not sure that it's a reflection of the salary that Boise can offer as it is um, the scrutiny that education and educators feel like they're under and they it's not the money they're leaving because of just the year who left well we have had some teachers like that who have said I'm retiring or I'm going to a different profession so I, I have to admire the teaching profession that it is one of passion and commitment and we're very thankful for the staff that we have that are dedicated to the education of children, and we have a large staff. Close friend of mine, he's a, he was an administrator in another district in the Treasure Valley, and just with the pressure that the teachers and administrators, everybody under, it's like it's not it's not worth it anymore. And he went he left public education after 14 years or whatever it was um, to you know pursue a job in the private sector. Out of it, you know, some of it was money driven, and some of it was, as Nancy talked about, the pressure of the public schools and sometimes not feeling supported. So, yeah. We have a legislative session less than two months away. What are you most hoping to see come out of that session with regard to education? What are you maybe most concerned might come out of this session with regard to education? What I'd like to see come out of it is continuing down the same tracks that we've been on with, with you know, they've, they've funded the career, you know, the funding formula with changes that they say there's more money there, but in all reality, every district across the state has law, is going to lose money this year. And that is, that is the public needs to know that because they're claiming we've done all this extra, but yet we're receiving less money. Because That's of the, the shift. Because of the shift from ADA to enrollment, enrollment or yeah. from enrollment to ADA. Right. Yeah. Um, the shift back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one thing to see, you know, you can, when you allocate the money, you can say, hey, we put all this money into public education, but if we don't actually see those dollars in the districts to be able to apply them in the classroom, we're, we're not getting the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is an issue. So the first thing out of the gate is the question of whether to do the supplemental appropriation that uh, the superintendent the superintendent right. is talking about. Will it really come to fruition? And then are we going to be not dinged some other way? And so, um, you know, I think that we came forward with a suggestion that they change the divisor for special education as a way to compensate for that funding that was lost. Because special education is one area where the funding is simply not adequate to meet the needs. And so that's one of the things we're going to be looking at. What is the what are going to be the proposals in the funding formula that are going to come forward? And we have a resolution about that. Um, and then continuing the support of the teacher pie or the the career ladder that will help us with the challenge of employment. 
I was really struck on the special education fund. We reported on this a couple, a couple of weeks ago. Sadie Dittenberg did a story about the gap between what you're getting and what right. your your demands are on the ground. Now, do you see any relief on the way? In that? Can be hopeful for some. But I think hopeful is probably the best action. You can't take it to the bank. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one thing you know we always look at is maintaining that local control. Um, it's a really big deal for our districts because we're all uniquely different in our own ways. And being able to to govern at a local level for what's best for our kids and our community um, is always going to be a number one priority for our organization. Um, we're always going to fight and advocate to maintain that local control. No, I'd agree 100%. You know, just like we have some of the same issues in Melbourne and Dietrich of teacher shortages and finding those qualified teachers, the solution might look completely different in Dietrich than it does in Melbourne. Maybe in Melbourne it's providing housing. Maybe in Dietrich it's providing a, a, a means to educate to grow our own. Right? There is no one solution, and that's why that local control is so very important because we are all different across the state. Are you seeing, just quickly as trustees in, in rural districts, are you seeing much of a difference in terms of, you know, there have been incentives to try to encourage rural educators to, to come into small communities and stay? Is it making any We take advantage of those in Melba as much as we can when they're available. Um, you know, one thing that helps us a little bit, I mean, we are on a four-day school week, so that's kind of a, a little bit of a, an, it attracts some people um, for that. And then we have a really good culture in our district. We, we believe a lot of culture um, within our district, and so that helps us retain. Um, but like I said, it's vastly different than what might work for Star and Dietrich and, and different than what works for Nancy and Boise. See, we've found that the thing that attracts is the culture of the small town. A lot of people might, are... You know, looking to leave the cities, they're coming to Idaho. If we can get teachers that come in that way, we found that if we can get a teacher in and teach, you know, they're teaching for passion. And when they get attached to those kids in that community and become part of it, that's when we get that long term. In Boise, we're also trying to build the same kind of culture that we do all our work focused around our values, and that one of our values is that we value our teachers. And we, that is reflected in our negotiation practices, and we work on doing the best we can to keep our teachers paid appropriately for, and maintain a balance. You know, it, it's not in our best interest to be the only shining star. We want all Idaho districts to be the shining stars. We want them all to have those unique cultures that make it so those people want to live in your town. Those people want to live in your town. So we are trying to make our district as attractive as other districts are trying to make theirs. We saw so much debate last session over education savings accounts, over, you know, over scholarships, whatever terminology uh, you want to attach to that. How do you how do you foresee that debate unfolding next session? And what's what's your role as trustees in that debate? inevitable that we'll see some sort of a bill for ESA, vouchers, tax credit, tax credit, I mean, label it how you want, um, and still I believe at the end of the day it's, de it's devastating about public schools in Idaho um, to siphon money from, from public schools to private schools. All of those methods will take money out of the general fund, and the general fund is where our funding comes from. And then uh, beyond that, I mean, 
from a, a taxpayer viewpoint, private schools aren't held to the same standard that we are as a public school when it comes to transparency, open meetings, get on any one of our websites and see our budgets, um, give the ability to come in and request curriculum. Um, if you're a patron of that district, like all those things that Idaho Code, Idaho Code holds us to, they're not held to that same standard. Um, so I have a hard time as a taxpayer, not even as a school district, as a taxpayer, supporting my tax dollars going somewhere where I have no idea how that money's being spent and how it's being used. And can you both put some color to the the contention that we heard last session, that I'm sure we'll hear next session, that this is going to hurt rural districts maybe even more than urban districts because there aren't many other options uh, in those communities. Hurt, I mean, I think at the end of the day it's going to hurt everybody because um, unless somebody comes in and builds a bunch of private schools, most of the private schools that we have in our state are already full. So it's not like we're going to, you know, I mean, it's not like Boise's going to hang, you know, going to lose a bunch of kids to, you know, some of the private schools in Boise or us to some in the Church Valley because um, they, they're already basically full. We're just going to lose the dollars that help run our school. And, and historically, most of the people who take advantage of vouchers or ESAs are those students who are already in private schools. Right. It, it doesn't, doesn't bring fun. more students into those no. schools. And many times you will say, oh, well, this is this gives parents choices. Well. Vouchers and ESAs are almost are not necessarily parent choice. It's an opportunity for parents to be chosen because when they go to a private school, they have no guarantee that they are going to be accepted into that school. And in other states, they have what they call pop-up schools, schools that pop up in your neighborhood deserted Walmart or, or Kmart, excuse me, and um, they'll be there for 18 months and then they're gone. And those students come back to us without their annual allotment because it already got paid in a voucher surprise. I, th I think Jason hit it right on the head. It's, it's not that a lot of students are going to be moving. The students are in the schools of where they're going to go. If you're going to a private school, you're probably going to be continuing to go to a private school. If you're in a public school, you're probably going to continue to go to a public school. What it does is it takes that money for the students in the private schools, it gives them a voucher, and it subsidizes those that already have it and keeps it just takes it. it the takes kids from, don't move, but the dollars do. It, that's exactly right. The kids do not move. You will not see a move in kids. It's not a different choice for the kids. It's a different. It's a. It's a change in the money, and that is it. And in, in the narrative that's spoken of that we need more school choice in Idaho, um, I think we're top ten, but I'm, I know it's top fifteen in the nation as far as states with the amount of school choice that our students already have. Open enrollment state. We already were before the, the new law last year. We were already open enrollment state. We have publicly funded charter schools that have to follow all the same rules as traditional schools, um, which you know then they also happen to be full members of our association too. But our kids already have more school choice than most other states in the nation. So to run the narrative that we need vouchers for school choice, we already have it, and we're already one of the examples in the U.S. and what school choice looks like. Just the last question. So you all will be back in February for a day at the Capitol. We've seen you all there in past years. Can you just describe how you see the relationship between trustees and legislators? Do they understand the role that you play? Is there a communication gap between... I think most legislators understand us. And, um, 
there's a little bit of respect that's, that's inherently given to us because we're elected like they are. And I think just based on that, they, they understand that we didn't have to be elected to. Um, and so they tend to listen. Catch them in the hallway. They're busy though, so it's hard to you know to grab them for five or ten minutes. But I will give credit that the vast majority of our legislators they will listen um, and they will take us seriously. We talk about issues and they they understand that you know, we are elected like they are, and we're just trying to do what's best for the people who elected us and what's best for the kids in our community. And as a, an association, we work to keep our members informed and educated themselves and it's a moving target you know as bills come forward we have to do a lot of work to get that message out to our members and then they have them contact the legislators so that that communication cycle works in a timely fashion because you know how fast and or slow it can go sometimes it feels like it's fast and slow all at the same time yeah yep. you know in general our legislatures are just like our school board members they make the best decisions with the information they're given i i, I feel that that's Usually most public servants are that way. Uh, our day on the hill is an opportunity for our younger board members to maybe meet some of those legislatures, but I have never had anything but a positive experience with day on the hill and, and, and working and, and together with our legislatures to accomplish things, get some goals across. I, I can remember one time sitting at a table um, and they were discussing a program that was ending, that was actually working, and uh, the legislature said, oh, well, I didn't know that that's how you guys use this. I'll make sure I vote for that. And they extended it another two years after that. So so there's been some conversations that happen there. That, you know, It's an understanding both ways. We need to understand maybe a little bit more what they do sometimes. And when they understand what we do, that's where the great force comes for the greater good is working together towards those common goals. The, the lunch is always fun. When I come down and we get to sit down at the table, I think that casual atmosphere, kind of, you know, you're not walking through the halls of the state house. You're trying to catch them in their office. Um, and you're just sitting down having a meal. It kind of breaks the ice a little bit. You can have some really good conversations. Yeah. It's got a little bit of a captive audience, but the chance for deeper conversation. Right. The barriers are down. It's you're you're rubbing elbows, eating lunch. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You, they're a person, we're a person. You communicate, you talk about issues, and you get to the meat of it. I know you all three are busy here this week, and you know we'll catch up, I'm sure, in February. Nancy, Jason Starr, thank you for taking the time to talk to us this week. Thank you. Again, that was Nancy Gregory. She is a school trustee from Boise. Jason Knopp, a trustee from Melba. And Starr Olson, a trustee from Dietrich. If you missed any of our coverage from the ISBA's annual convention, go to iduetnews.org and get caught up there. You can uh, get a look at the resolutions that trustees passed this week. Those are the resolutions that uh, the ISBA will take to the 2024 legislative session. And you can get a sense of what Governor Brad Little and State Superintendent Debbie Critchfield had to say to trustees. All of that at iduetnews.org and a whole lot more. I continue to follow the latest developments on the University of Idaho's proposal to purchase the University of Phoenix, news from the courtroom, and also news on the regulatory front. Get caught up at idahoednews.org. I take a close look at something that's going on in Tennessee that I find really interesting. Um, 
political leaders in Tennessee have put together a committee that is uh, studying the pros and cons of rejecting federal funding for K-12. If they do it, they would be the first state in the nation to do uh, to do such a thing. And I wanted to look at what are the implications uh, for this discussion and how does that impact the discussion in Idaho. There's always been talk about federal funding for K-12 and concerns, heartburn about the um, restrictions that come with that money. I take a close look at uh, the state of that debate and how the Tennessee debate might flavor what we hear here in Idaho. You can find that story at idahonews.org. Also, Carly Flandero continues to follow what's going on in eastern Idaho, namely uh, Shelley and Pocatello Chubbuck, what those two districts are doing in the aftermath of uh, failures to pass bond issues on November 7th. She has the latest on that and the latest on everything that's going on in eastern Idaho. Darren Spahn continues to split his time now between Boise and North Idaho, but he continues to follow the latest at the West Bonner School District. We have an update at idahoednews.org. And Ryan Supi has the latest from West Ada and a decision to remove a book from library shelves in that uh, largest district in the state. So you can find the latest on that at idahoednews.org. And a quick shout out to Ryan. Ryan is our newest reporter. He's not new to us here at Idaho Ed News. Uh, we've been following his work for quite some time. He was a state government reporter at the Idaho Statesman most recently. Really fine reporter, going to be a great addition. I'm, I'm excited to be uh, uh, adding him to our, our, our team and our uh, legislative coverage. We'll be uh, working on the State House uh, beat together this winter and working on those very important primaries that are coming up next spring. Uh, really excited to bring Ryan on board. Really, it's bittersweet, obviously, because uh, Ryan replaces Sadie Dittenberg, who left us uh, a few weeks ago. She uh, is she moved to California. She is uh, starting a new chapter in her life. Uh, did great work. We're, we're going to miss her, and we wish her nothing but the best, but we're really excited to add Ryan to the mix. Follow what he writes and follow what we all write at idahoednews.org. We will keep you posted on the latest in education policy and education politics. Follow us on, oh, fine, we'll call it X whatever. Follow us on X. We will tweet out our latest uh, links to stories and bulletins on breaking news items. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, which is still called Facebook. Uh, we post our stories there and you can comment there. And keep an eye out and in your out for the latest uh, next edition of my podcast and the next edition of Carly Flandro's podcast, The Teacher's Lounge. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good Thanksgiving week and take care. 